Amen. Wonderful singing. You may be seated this morning. And uh, I really, really love our time of singing, and uh, I hope it's prepared your heart as it has mine uh, to receive what God has for us this morning. If you have your Bibles, open to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. We're going to be starting a brand new series this morning as we've concluded our series on reaching and uh, starting a new series entitled A Life of faith. So if you would go to Hebrews chapter number 11. Thank you. Hebrews chapter number 11. And we're going to be studying verses 1 to 3 this morning. And uh, much of our series is going to be in this chapter of the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11 as we as we study what faith is all about and what a, a life of faith is. So Hebrews chapter number 11 and we're going to read from verse number one verse down to verse number three. And before I read, let me just give you a little bit of context. Uh, Hebrews was written by someone that obviously was uh, uh, writing to the believers in Jerusalem. All right. It's uh, the book. The name of the book is Hebrews because it's written to Hebrews, to the Jewish nation. It's written to those that were uh, in the worship of Jehovah there in the temple of Jerusalem, but had not put their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, they had not seen that Christ is the way of salvation, the Messiah, the Son of God. And, and, uh, and so the writer of Hebrews is writing to uh, this religious Jewish uh, uh, people and explaining to them that Jesus Christ is the person of the Godhead, the, uh, the Son of God, and also uh, the priest that is uh, inter, uh, interceding between us and God. He is uh, the, our high priest. And from chapter 6 to chapter 10, you see that. From chapters 1 to 5, you see how he focuses that Christ is the Son of God. But in chapter 11 and 12 and 13, he, he concludes this letter by talking about faith. Uh, how Jesus is our practice of faith. He is our, our supreme example and one that we are to look to and uh, whose faith we are to imitate. And so uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, that is really where he's making this transition and going into uh, that of faith. So let's read what he writes. He says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Faith. The Christian life is a life of faith. Everything in the Christian life is tied to faith. Without it, any Christian cannot please God. Without faith, any Christian lacks power. Without faith... Any Christian will not be victorious over the world. Faith is the victory, the Bible says. Faith, uh, without uh, it in our lives, we cannot please God. Verse number 6 of Hebrews 11 teaches us that. So we find that faith is something that is vital for every Christian. It's vital for a Christian to actually live a Christian life, a life of faith. But let me ask you this morning, what is a life of faith? We talk a lot about faith in church, but what is really a life of faith? Not too long ago, I was 
listening in my car on XM Radio, and if you have XM Radio, you know it has just like sports channels and different channels that you can kind of uh, turn the knob to. And, uh, and, and I stopped on one that was a Christian station, and there was a preacher that was preaching, and he was talking about the life of Joseph and connecting the life of Joseph with faith and how Joseph had a dream. He had faith in this dream, and, and uh, he was able to um, see this dream accomplished because of faith. And, and he said something really interesting. He, he just said, you know, jo- Joseph, uh, his faith, you know, it was more than just in his head. It was, it was in his heart. And, and if you just have faith uh, and really believe in something, you'll accomplish your dreams. I thought, okay. I listened for about 10 more minutes of the message, but that's where he concluded that faith was. Just a belief deep down inside of something you really want to accomplish, something you really want to do. And if you just really believe inside, then you have faith and that's going to happen. I thought about that after, after listening for a few minutes. I turned the radio off and as I was driving home, I thought, is that really what faith is? Is that what the Bible teaches faith is? Just a really deep belief in some dream? some goal that we have in life? Is that what the Bible means when it says we need to have faith and live a life of faith? As I said, faith is vital for every Christian. And that's why it's important for us to understand what faith is. As Christians, if we are going to evaluate if our life is a life of faith, we we must first begin with the most basic of what is faith? And, and after understanding what really a life of faith is, then how, do, how does that flush out in our lives? How is that seen? How is that something that we live? Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what faith does in our life. How faith can be not just described, but how faith is lived out in a practical way in our life. But but this morning, we, we want to start with the most fundamental thing, which is defining what faith is. What does the Bible say that faith is? If we're going to live a life of faith, we've got to begin there. So we have to understand what faith is. So let's start with that, faith definition this morning. Now, as we read verse number one of Hebrews chapter 11, we, we see automatically he's talking about faith. <laughs> he says, now faith. He's talking about faith, and he says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, that almost sounds like a riddle, like, okay, let's, how do, I, we don't really talk this way. And, and um, so what is the author trying to say with the words that he's sharing here, that he's writing? Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What does that even mean? Well, in this first verse, he's not really given us a, a definition of faith more than really describing the nature of faith. So before we get into the nature of faith, go to Romans chapter 10 in your Bible. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. I think it gives us really a much clearer picture and definition of what faith is. If you go to Romans chapter 10, because Romans uh, was written by the Apostle Paul and it had a, a major emphasis on faith, that whole book of, of being justified by faith and and moving forward in the Christian life through faith. And he says this in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing 
by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, simply put, if we had to define faith this morning by reading Romans chapter 10, verse 17, we, we know that faith is connected with hearing the word of God. So just to put it simply in terms that we might use today, you could define it this way in your notes. Uh, faith is believing and acting upon what God has said. So faith comes by hearing what, what God has said. So if my faith is going to grow, I got to know what God has said. I have to believe that, but it's not just believing, it's acting upon that belief. I've used this illustration many times, but uh, the, they, they say that if you stick your uh, fingers into an outlet, you could get shocked. To be honest, I have no idea if that's true. But I believe it's true. Right? I've never stuck my fingers in there to just find out, right? But, but I do have enough faith to say, I really believe that, so I'm not even going to do it. I don't even let my kids do it. It would be really mean of me, but then I would find out pretty quickly, right? Like, Elijah, just stick them in there. I just want to see what happens. I don't do that. We, I have enough faith to know, right, that something may happen. That, that you could get shocked, that you could get hurt. That is believing and acting upon that belief. And in this case, not putting my uh, fingers in the outlet is acting on the belief that it's because I don't want to get shocked. I don't want to get injured. I don't want to get hurt. So biblical faith comes by hearing the word of God, knowing what it says, believing and acting on that. That is biblical faith. So understanding that that's the definition of biblical faith that we see in the Bible, when you get to verse number one of Hebrews chapter 11, we see that he's not really given us that definition per se, but the nature of that, the nature of why that is true, why, why that can define what faith is. We see that, first of all, it's a substantive truth. Faith of believing and acting on what God has says is a substantive truth. The word substance here is the Greek word hypostasis, and it really means to stand under. In other words, it's foundational. It's something that is solid, something that you can stand on. You see, faith is not simply a feeling. It's not something that's just something deep inside of, I really want to accomplish this, and, and if I can, that is faith. That's not what the Bible says. Faith is, is, is much more than just a feeling. It's more than just an emotion. It's something solid. It's something substantive. You see, it's not arrogance and pride that makes faith strong, but the reality of that truth that makes faith strong. The truth of what God has said makes our faith strong. Some people look at Christians and say, you're so arrogant you think you're going to heaven. I don't think that heaven is my home because I'm such a good person. My faith doesn't go on the feeling of, well, I mean, I haven't really hurt anybody. And I do go to church. And I try to be a good citizen and a good neighbor. And I just have a feeling that heaven's going to be my home. That's not what my faith rests on. My faith rests on the fact that God has said that as many as believe in him, 
Those that have accepted Jesus as their Savior, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Jesus promised to those that would believe on him, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, the faith of, of a future home in heaven is not based on my feeling or your feeling but on a reality, a substantive truth that is God's word. So Hebrews 11 states, now faith, faith, this believing, acting upon what God has said, is the substance, it's this reality, right, of things hoped for. And then he says in the second phrase, the evidence of things not seen. It is proven results. It's not just a substantive truth. The author says, but faith is Something has proven results. Now, the Greek word here is elakos, which literally means tested. So true faith is a reality which is tested and proven to be true. It's something substantive. It's real. Heaven's not a figment of our, of our imagination. It's something solid. It's something real because God has declared it to be so. And then he's proven his word to be true. So it's one thing to declare something in life. It's another thing to prove it to be true, right? I mean, we, we all want that when we go to the doctor, right? We don't want him just guessing. Maybe you got cancer. Excuse me? How, how, how do you know? Where, where are you getting that from? Can, can, you, can you show me some tests or something? I mean, maybe it's just a stomachache. I mean, wh where is the proof behind it? You can't just declare something and have no proof for it, right? We, we, we want that. Now, faith is that way. You, you can't just say, well, I mean, I know God, there's a God out there. I know there's a God out there. Okay, that's not biblical faith. There's a lot of people that believe there is a God somewhere. There's some people that believe that trees are gods and others that believe nature is God and Mother Earth. And, but where's the proof of that? You see, biblical faith is substantive from what God has declared to be true, but it's also tested and proven in his declarations. See, every person in the world exercises faith. Coming into this building, we exercise faith, right? right? I mean, does anybody know who the architect was that designed this building? Good, neither do I. Well, we didn't walk in going, oh, I hope this, I hope this ceiling doesn't fall. We, <laughs> maybe Larry does, but he's, he's cynical anyway. No, you, you, you know, you, you come, you sit in a chair. We, we, we don't have these ideas of, oh man, I, I don't know if I can trust the contractor to build this building. We've been here many times. It's, it's, we're going on since 1994 being in this place. It's a pretty sure building. Now, let me tell you, if at the end of our service, this, fall were to, this wall were to fall down, Next Sunday, we're coming in like this, right? Next Sunday, we're coming like, I don't know if I want to keep going over there. I'm not sitting on that wall, that's for sure, right? Because now you're going to be questioning, what is that? Why did that happen? You see, that, that's why the, the, the test, the proving is so important. And our faith as Christians, not only is substantive because it's declared by God, but also it's proven. God has proven his word over and over and over again. So 
Faith is believing the substantive and proven word of God and acting upon it in our lives. So the question we, we ask ourselves then is, number one, if I'm if a life of faith, do I have a life of faith? Number one, do I believe the Bible? Because without believing the word of God, you have no faith. You have nothing substantive to rest upon. You have nothing proven to be true. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 3, Paul's writing about Abraham says, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham was a man of faith. One that believed God. This morning, someone were to ask you, do you have a life of faith? The first thing you've got to say is, well, do I believe the Bible? Because that's where the foundation starts. Defining faith is believing what God's word says and acting upon it. But faith doesn't just end there. We find that in verse number two, of course, those that believed and acted upon it, the elders, as it's translated here, for by, the el by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. In other words, uh, they, they, they were seen to show that the tests that they went through were true, that God was true. When you put God to the test, okay, you'll find that it is true. It's true what he says. He's true to his word. He's true to who he is. And it makes and it gives us a foundation that is solid. But that's defining faith. But what about faith's power? When you go to verse number three, we see faith's power. The writer, the writer goes on to say, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. See, the power of faith is an unbelievable power because of what lies behind it. What lies behind our faith is the Word of God. And the author here writes, reminding us that the Word of God brought everything that we see in creation to be. Everything was framed. That word framed could be translated set in order by the Word of God. Now just imagine that. From the Bible says in, uh, in, in the Hebrew, ex nihil, which means out of nothing, something was created. God, out of nothing, created our world. That's why the author says the things that were not seen were suddenly seen. Our visible world was not created by another visible thing. Out of nothing, it was created by the word of God. Can you imagine the force of the word of God then, the power? Scientifically, we've measured somewhat at least as accurate as we can get, that light goes at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. That's moving. That's fast. And it was created by a word. Mount Everest. Massive. Highest mountain peak in all the earth. Created by a word. Our sun is a million times bigger than the earth. Created by the word. Our galaxy. One amongst literally millions or perhaps billions at this point. We've lost count. We don't know. 
we keep building bigger telescopes and find out that there's more out there by the word of God. Faith's power is because of what the word of God can do. It literally can create out of nothing. That's our faith. That is the faith of the Christian. It's something substantive. It's something that's been proven. It's something that is powerful. So behind our believing is the fact that there's real power in our faith. Our faith can really do things. You say, well, well what can our faith do? Number one, faith enables us to understand what God does. Faith enables us to understand this. This understanding what God does does not come from scientific reasoning. Now, we, we can see God's creation by scientific reasoning. But it doesn't explain. It just says this happens when, when you put these two chemicals together, this will happen. Okay. Why? Why do those two chemicals react that way? Well, because of the nature of the chemical. Yeah, but who made that chemical to do that? See, it can't explain why things are. It just kind of explains what happens when things happen. But our faith enables us to see what God does and understand it. And not just in a scientific world, but in the, the philosophical world, in the social world in which we live. Faith allows us and enables us to understand what God does. It is in the reading and studying of God's word that we begin to understand how God works. It's no longer a mystery how he's working in certain areas of our lives. In fact, we begin to understand more and more of God's plan for us in our life. Now, this doesn't mean that we're going to understand everything God does all the time and in every situation. We don't. But there are many situations that we do. We can see what God is trying to do in our life. In fact, James said it this way. James chapter 1, I put in your notes. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, that is in different trials of life, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So why do trials come into our life? Why does God do that? Faith enables us to understand why. Because as we read his word, it's, it's for our betterment. It's to give us patience. It's so that we can go on in our life growing and maturing. That's why. See, there, there, there are things that are happening in our world today and the lives of people that they don't understand why. When, when tragedy hits, we go, why? When we lose our job, why? They're going through all these trials. There's so many people that just don't understand why. But the Christian faith teaches us why. It enables us to understand what God does, but it also enables us to see what others cannot see. There are many in our world that are blind to the truth and power of God's ways. Their lack of faith in God makes them blind to God's purposes. To much of what happens in their life, they're blinded to these substantive realities. They're blind to it. They don't even see it. 
And so when things happen in their life, they don't see power behind it. There's no power to overcome it. They just try to survive it. See, as, as Christians, we don't survive through life. We overcome in life. That's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, but we are more than conquerors to them that are in Christ Jesus. We're not just kind of scraping by and just trying to keep our head above water. No, 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 no. The apostle John said, faith is the victory. We live in victory. Faith gives us that victory. It enables us to see what others cannot see. It, it, it enables us to, to understand that when depression comes, we don't have to stay in that depression. Say, uh, depression, anxiety, fear, that, that's not something that a Christian cannot experience. Yeah, we're, we're going to go through those times in life. It's what you do in those times that really reflects what kind of faith we, you have. See, a, a powerful faith will learn to overcome. Overcome those things in life. It's, it's amazing that when you look at the life of Job, he didn't understand a whole lot of what was going on. Lost all his kids. Lost all his wealth. Lost his health. Many times had depression and anxiety and fear. And through all of those experiences, you know what got him through? Faith. In Job chapter 19, it's probably the pinnacle of that book where he says, but I know that my Redeemer liveth, and I shall see him that day. Though my body turn into worms, though I die, though he kill me and strike me down, I won't stop believing in him. That's a powerful faith. That's not a man that's just trying to survive through life. That's a man that's overcoming in life. And notice what he says at the end in Job 42, verse 1 to verse number 6. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore, he says, have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me, which... I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. Job concluded at the end, man, I didn't see it then. Faith carried me through and helped me to, helped me to overcome, but man, I see it now. Because that's what faith does. It's powerful. Sometimes we, we have a tendency as Christians to kind of shrink in our faith because of the pressures of the world and, and those around us. It can, it can make us feel that way. Listen, I, I know I'm a pastor, but I feel that when I'm at the mall as well. There's times when, when you feel like, man, I, can I really say that? What if I say it and they laugh and scorn? Or what if it doesn't happen the way I think it's going to happen? So what does that reflect? It reflects sometimes a weak faith on my part. And I've got to be reminded of the power of faith. The power of our faith enables us to understand what God is doing. 
By the way, it's, it's in that that we can be a blessing to others, by the way. I, I, was, I was so proud of our church in this last month. We, there was a family that's not even connected to our church, but they were neighbors with one of the families in our church. And 35-year-old dad fell off a roof and died. Left his 34-year-old wife and three kids. And we were there. We gave him some meals and prayed with them and were there with them. A few weeks ago, a friend of Moses, 41 years old or 42, passed away all of a sudden in the shower, had a stroke. Actually had like seven strokes, they said at the end. Died. There was Mo at the hospital, praying with them and just sharing some scripture. Mo know exactly why God did that? No. But he knows why trials come into life. And he knows that there's power, overcoming power through faith. What did he share with them? His faith. So that they might see what they can't see right now. Our lack of faith blinds us. But true faith allows us to see even what others cannot see. That's the power of faith. Here the author says, you know, a life of faith is something that's a life that has a substantive reality that it's hoping for and following after. It acts upon a tested truth and recognizes the power of that. But I want to end this morning with faith's object. We've defined what faith is and we've seen the power of faith. But can I say that every faith is exercised on this earth has an object attached to it. Every faith that is exercised. For instance, someone that has faith in idols believes that the graven image will help them. That's the object of their faith. A humanist put his faith in. In himself, right? I'm the object of my faith if I'm a humanist. The philosopher uh, has his faith in his own ideas and a materialist has his faith in money and materials. But what about a Christian? What does a Christian have his faith? What is the object of his faith? What makes the Christian's faith so different? Well, you'll notice that, first of all, the Christian places his faith in a faithful God. The reason the faith of a Christian is more reliable than the faith of others is that his faith relies on a God who is faithful. The God of the Bible is a faithful God. He's not evil. He's not vengeful. He's not cruel. He's not a God that likes to torment. And by the way, if you just read a little bit of the history of the gods that have been worshipped in our societies. You know, Zeus was actually worshipped. Now it's just mythology is what we call it, right? It's just, oh, it's a nice little story. But they, people actually sacrificed and worshipped him. You'll find that a lot of those gods were evil. And arrogant. But the God of the Bible is not like that. The God of the Bible is one 
who is faithful, who supplies all our needs. He supplies our need for food and shelter and clothing, our physical needs. He provides our social needs with friendship and companionship. He supplies our need for purpose and meaning. He, he supplies our need for strength and life. He's a faithful God because he does this day after day after day. He's consistent in supplying that. In fact, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, he said, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. In Hebrews chapter 13, just two chapters from where we're studying, says Jesus Christ is saying today, yesterday, and forever. Yes, it speaks of the deity of Jesus Christ, but the consistency and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. The God that we serve, the God that our faith is the object of, or, or the, the God that is the object of our faith is a faithful God. He's consistent, reliable. But not only is he a faithful God, but he's also a loving Savior. You see, the greatest difference between the faith of the Christian and the faith of one who is not a Christian is the object of their faith, can it save them? Can the humanist in himself save himself? Can the materialist find in material and money that which can save him? Save his soul, I mean. Save him from death eternal. Can, can the object of their faith really do that? Because if it can't, then it's a less faith. The, the, the difference in, in our faith as Christians is that our faith relies on someone that can save us. In fact, the only one that can save us. See, saving faith rests upon Christ. Not good works, not in good intentions, not in religious acts, because religious acts aren't good enough to save you. And good works aren't good enough to save you. A true faith, a Christian's faith, has the object of Christ in which he rests upon. And it's in the work of Christ that saves him. That faith in what Christ did. Because that work can save. In fact, it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Our faith must rest on the work of Christ on the cross. Only his work, his sacrifice are good enough to save us. That is why our faith must be placed in him if we're going to be saved. In him and him alone. So My question is, do you have that saving faith? It's, it is vital for you and I to have that faith in our life. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, there is, no, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Not the Pope, not the bishops, not the cardinals, not good works, not the imam, not the Buddhist priest. One man between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The object of our faith is Christ and the work that he did can save us. The work that he 
completed on the cross by giving his life can save us. For, for that reason, Ephesians 2 says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith. So this morning we've looked at the first important truth of living a life of faith, and that is understanding what faith is. Faith is believing and acting upon what God has said. That is something substantive, something that has been proven. It's a faith that is powerful. It enables us to, to understand what God does, to see what others cannot see. Our faith does that. But the only reason it has that power the only reason it's a substantive truth is because of the object of our faith. The object of our faith is one that can provide salvation to all who believe. For whosoever shall call upon in the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this morning, let me just ask, do you have a life of faith? Have you understood and seen the power and placed your faith in the person of faith that is Jesus Christ? If you haven't, I want to invite you today to make that decision. Make the decision of saying, I want to put my faith in the one who can save me. I want to have true faith in my life. Not just something that I think might happen or some emotional feeling that can change by tomorrow. I want something solid, something proven, something that will help me understand what God is doing. And that is biblical true faith. This morning I want to invite you who are here who's never put your, your faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross for you. Today you can have that saving faith. Today you can start a life of faith. And I, I hope if you've not made that decision, you'll make that decision today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you we thank you for your word Father this morning is because of your word that we have faith because of your word that we have something to believe and to act upon but Father this this faith that we have we realize is something so so solid and proven to be true over not months and years and decades but thousands of years Father in eternity past and eternity future your truth will always remain help us to remember as Christians that that is the foundation of our faith your word your truth Father I pray that we would exercise the power of faith in our life. This morning, the short time that we've had to just kind of meditate on what that power kind of looks like, what that power has done bringing from nothing something, bringing creation as we know it. What an amazing power. It's the faith you've given us. 
So, Father, I pray that we would live in that faith. Then I would ask, Father, if there would be anyone here that has yet to make Christ the object of their faith, they would realize that there is no faith without Christ. You can believe in something, but is that something saving you? We find in your word that nothing else can save. Not our good works and not coming to church. But Father, it's only the work of Christ on the cross. By believing that when he died, he died for me. That the blood that he shed was for the forgiveness of sins. Oh, Father, I pray that if we are Christians, we would celebrate be so grateful for the object of our faith, this loving Savior. Father, if there be someone here this morning that has yet to put their faith in Christ and in Christ alone, that today they would experience that saving faith, that powerful faith, that substantive faith. As the piano continues to play, every, every head is bowed and every eye closed. Perhaps you're here this morning saying, you know what, Pastor, that's, that's what I'm in need of today is a saving faith. I've been to church. I know a little bit about church. I know maybe a little bit about the Bible. But to be honest, I can't think of a time where I've asked God to forgive me of my sins, where I've put my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. But today, Pastor, I want to make that decision. I want saving faith in my life. I want, to, I want to begin to live this life of faith that you're talking about. And it begins at Christ. Would you pray for me? I just want, I want to accept Christ as my Savior today. I, I need that saving faith. Is there anyone like that that would raise their hand and say, pray for me, Pastor? Anyone like that at all? Very well, then, this morning, perhaps you're here and you're saying, you know, Pastor, this life of faith is what I want to live out. And to be honest, it's, it's been refreshing and it's what I needed this morning to be reminded of the power of faith to overcome men. Really, what faith is really all about. The reality of faith and the provenness of faith. Would, would you pray for me that throughout this series I could grow in that faith and, and be strong in a life of faith, would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that that would just raise your hand? God bless you, I see that hand. Others, God bless you, God bless you, amen. Father, this morning, you've seen hands, but more importantly, you saw our hearts. And Father, I'm right there with those that raised their hand. But in this year, help us to live a life of true faith by remembering the reality and living in that reality and having the power to overcome, living with that power of faith. Be with us now as we meditate more upon what we've heard. Father, may we live out the rest of this day and live out really this week in a faith that is real. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.